All right. Everybody doing okay today? All right. Good, good. Well, welcome to uh, Journey Church, man. We're glad you guys are here. And if you're joining us online, we hope that you can hear us right now because we've got a little technical difficulties going on this morning. So hopefully that's going to happen. But uh, hopefully you guys are excited about a new series. We're, uh, you know, we're in the summer months, you know, we're getting there. And a lot of people think about family vacation, right? And about middle of May, you know, everybody starts kind of getting uh, ready for graduation and graduation parties and stuff like that. And we realize, you know, just from the patterns of the past years that around May 15th, everybody starts kind of getting ready for that. And then all of a sudden, it's like June is vacation. They have to have a vacation or they're going to pull their hair out, right? And maybe you're there and, y'all are, and now you're all upset because you don't have a vacation yet or you're not getting one. But uh, the thing is, is hopefully we're going to kind of unpack some things as we move through the summer uh, and have some fun with it. But the thing is, it's biblical truth that we all need to apply to our life. And so as we unpack God's Word, man, you know, He's preparing us for a destination that we want to be at, right? There's somewhere that we want to be. And so Family Vacation hopefully will be a fun series that we'll kind of use to unpack some things. But we often think about dreamy destinations like where are some places that uh, maybe we want to be? And, and I don't know about you guys, but oftentimes there's things that pop into our mind, you know, and, uh, you know, we think about these dreamy destinations and so some of you, even now, your mind's already going there. You know, you're thinking about some places. And so I want to ask you, if you would, just to do, do me a favor. I want everybody to close your eyes. Everybody in the room, just kind of close your eyes. No looking around. Same way online. Just close your eyes. And I want you to think about your dream destination. Where's the one place that you would love to be? You know, what's your dream destination? All right, so you guys can look back up here. Now, some of you guys may have been... Flipping through pages in your mind going like, you know, couldn't make up a decision. Couldn't make a mind. You make up your mind. You, you know, you don't know which one. You know, and so you're like, well, I want this, but I want that. I want this, I want that. And so you still can't figure out where you want to go, right? So dreamy destinations are awesome. So you have to dream. Uh, where do you, where do you, what do you dream about? Where do you dream about? Where do you, what pops into your mind? What, what are some places that pop into your mind? I want to kind of give you guys some ideas, some things maybe to look at and see what maybe popped into your mind. Maybe some of you guys are mountain folks. Maybe you thought, hey, man, I love those mountain meadows. Yellowstone, you know, Glacier National Park, whatever. You're thinking that's where I would like to be, something like that. Maybe that pops into your mind or some cabin up there or maybe the beach. You know, maybe kind of got excited about that. And, you know, you're thinking, man, that would be awesome to be able to be in a beach. And y'all may have even had maybe stayed there. I don't know. Maybe it's a sailboat. You want to be out on the sailboat or that would be it. Not for me. Motion sickness would get me. Or maybe, hey, maybe it's to go to international places. You just want to kind of go see international things. You want to go see mountains. You want to go see cities. You just want to say, hey, man, I have slept in that state or I've been in that, that country. Or you don't want to tell everybody where all you've been. You know what I'm saying? You want to put all the stickers on your vehicle. or I don't know. Or maybe, you know, it's to go to Mars. That seems to be popular now. You know, that uh, you want to catch a ride with SpaceX and make it to Mars. And that's your dream destination. Doesn't look like a lot of fun, but it might be cool. But anyway, so the thing is, a lot of times we... We have these things that uh, pop into our mind. And I would just say this, that sometimes those are generated by the things of this world. You know, and that's what we think, hey, that would be it. That would be our destination. But what, what if God says, hey, listen, I've got something better for you. You know, I've got a better destination. You know, it's the center of his will. It's his plan. It's what he has in store. And, and even like the people that we see in the Old Testament, you know, we're, we're going to be reading out of Exodus to begin with here. And, and here is where we have this burning bush moment where Moses is literally, you know, he's out t- tending sheep and he sees this bush that is on fire, but it's not consumed. And he's like, what is going on? And he goes, I got to walk over and check this out. And so he gets over there and he begins to have this encounter with God. So let's read here. It says, when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. And here I am, Moses replied. 
And so God literally calls out to him. This voice calls out from this bush that's not being consumed. And so it's a burning bush moment, you know. So do not come any closer, the Lord born. Take off your sandals for you're standing on holy ground. And so Moses is having this encounter with God. And God is fixing to challenge him and call him to a, a task. He's fixing to give him an assignment like no other. He said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And when Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. He knew that, man, this is the presence of the Most High. This is God. And so he was afraid. There's a little bit of fear that we ought to have of the, the power and the presence of God. But the thing is, is we also know that, you know what, God is a loving Father. And so we invite God's presence and God's peace and God's power to be poured out in this room every time we gather. You know, we ask for that. In our lives, we want that. It says, And the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt, and I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So God knows all things. He sees what's happening, right? He says, so I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. So oftentimes when we hear that statement, we hear it's a land flowing with milk and honey. You know, I remember as a kid going like, was there milk? There's streams of milk. You know, I mean, was there milk going down through there, you know, or what, you know? And But what it was, it was a land of abundance. And, a, and, a, and a, land, a land of plenty. I mean, it was like, you know, whatever you wanted, it was there. God had, had it in abundance there. He just blessed this place. And so the thing is, is we see that, that statement says a land flowing with milk and honey. And most of us, and I would just say this, whenever he's telling Moses, Moses is probably going, wow, that sounds pretty good, right? And then when he goes and tells all the Israelites that are slaves right now, that are literally in bondage, he says, hey, listen, man, God's going to take you to a land that is flowing with milk and honey. They're like, man, that sounds great. Let's go there, you know. Sounds like a good place to be. And so the thing is, is we often hear those things, and, and we have to ask ourselves, you know, where do we want to be? You know, God gives a picture. He's, he's telling them, hey, I want to take you to a place. And I would just say this, that God wants to take us to a place. But it may be a little bit different than maybe what we, our expectations are, or maybe what some brochure has sold us on. You know, there's, we, we see the people, the nation of Israel, as they're leaving Egypt, they're excited about where they're going, but it doesn't take them long to start complaining and griping against God, right? Because they're thinking, hey, man, we were better off back in Egypt. You know, and God is, you know, he's, he's oversold this, this Canaan, this promised land. He's oversold this, and, and so they're griping and complaining against God. And it doesn't take long, you know, people are fickle, man. It doesn't take long for people to kind of shift gears and stuff. And, and so God is saying, hey, listen, man, I've got something for you, something incredible. And I would say this, that we need to ask ourselves this question. Where, where, do, you, where do we want to be? Where do you want to be? And I want to kind of tell you, I'm not talking about necessarily a beach or a mountain stream. But where do you want to be in some different areas of your life that are really important? Because it really doesn't matter where you are if you're off in some of these other areas. It'll affect every where you go. It doesn't matter what location it might be. And so here's, here's a couple of questions I would say that we ought to ask is, where do you want to be relationally? Where do you want to be relationally? Where do you want to be relationally in your relationship with God? Or where do you want to be, you know, in, in your relationship with the people around you? Where, where do you want to be? And I think we need to know, hey, what the destination, that dreamy destination of what it would be like. Maybe you're in a marriage. Because, man, I would love for our marriage to be healthy. I would love for our marriage to be one that's incredible, where we love being together, you know, and and we're there for each other, but it's healthy. You know, God is the middle of it. He is the center of it. And Jesus is, is literally leading us and guiding us. And we're dying to self. And we're willing to do whatever it takes to minister to the other's needs. And, and, and everybody around us is going, hey, man, we want to learn from you guys and this marriage that you have. 
And so maybe that's you. Maybe you're thinking that. Or maybe you're here today and you're single and you're like, dude, I would just like to meet Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright or whatever. And you're like, I would love to be in a relationship. Or maybe you're here today or you're watching online and you're lonely. And you're like, man, I would just like to have a friend. I'd like to have somebody that I can count on, somebody that cares about me and someone that, you know, I can share, you know, some of my frustrations with or I can share some of my dreams with. So I don't know where you are in, in that, but maybe we ought to ask that question that, you know, where do we want to be relationally? Where do we want to be in our relationship with our children, our grandchildren? Or where do we want to be in our relationship with our, our friends, our peers? And where do we want to be? And so the thing is, is oftentimes, you know, we, we, we may have a desire, we may want those things, but we're not willing to take the steps to get there. So here's another one. Where do you want to be emotionally? You know, we just got through doing a series talking about anxious about nothing. And, and there's some of you that maybe... You know, that was a really timely message for you because you go, man, I, that was me. I'm, I'm battling anxiety. I lay in the bed at night and I fret and I worry and I wonder and I can't sleep. And, you know, and so that's what I needed. So maybe you need to ask, hey, where do I want to be emotionally? You know, maybe you need to say, hey, listen, I want to be in a good place in my mind, man, to where I, I've got peace that passes understanding. You know, I, I want to be in a good place in my heart, man, to where I'm, I'm in, a, in a right relationship with the people around me. Uh, you know, I'm in a good place in my relationship with God, you know, I'm. And emotionally, I'm confident in who I am in Christ. I am confident in that. I'm able to walk in that confidence daily. And, you know, I'm not walking around insecure and I'm not walking around in this way and I'm not fretting and I'm not anxious. But, man, I'm confident in who, who, who God is. I'm confident in who I am in Christ. And I'm confident in my abilities that he has given me. I'm confident in my, the spiritual gifts that he has given me. And, and so, you know, we need to ask ourselves, where do we want to be emotionally? Not always a victim. You know, sometimes we, we, we're always playing the victim or, you know, not always, you know, manipulating or whatever, but we're at a good place. And so we have to ask ourselves, where do we want to be emotionally? And then where do you want to be physically? You know, there may be some of you, man, I, I just want to lose a few pounds or I want to, you know, get in better shape or I want to start walking or whatever. And we can talk about it or you can take steps, right? And so steps are a critical part for all of these. You know, and the thing is, oftentimes, like I said, the desire is there. It's just, hey, just taking those steps. So where do you want to be physically? You maybe say, hey, listen, I want to. I want to start walking or I want to do a 5K. And you kind of set a goal is, hey, listen, I want to do a 5K or I want to do a marathon or I want to do a half marathon. I don't know what's wrong with those people anyway, by you know, just saying. But, uh, but maybe that's your goal. You want to do that. But you want to get healthier. You want to be healthier. You want to live to see your grandkids or you want to see your kids grow, whatever it might be. But you set some goals, you know, physically and you say, hey, you know, this is where I want to be. And so it may take some steps. Maybe it's changing the way you eat. Maybe it's changing you know, the, the exercise that you do or starting that. Where do you want to be financially? You know, there's a lot of people in this room say, hey, all right, I know that one. I want to be a millionaire. I want to have a lot of money, right? That's what everybody wants. They want money. But oftentimes, you know, money, you know, are, are financial. We just, we want so much stuff that it affects all those other areas we just talked about, like the relationships, the emotions. You know, financial stuff comes into play and it affects all those other things because we're so driven to want stuff or money that we sacrifice relationships or sometimes emotionally we're, we're, we're hanging on by a thread because we're driven to, you know, to get this stuff, this, to gain all this that the world offers. Or it could be that you don't, you're not making enough and you're stressed out because you're living from paycheck to paycheck and you're stressed out over, man, hey, what bills do we pay? You ever had one of those months where you sit down and you go, all right, which, which bills do we pay this month? Which ones do we have a little bit of grace on? You, you might say, Mike, that's every month at my house. But you may say, well, you know, is that where you want to be? Do you want to live stressed out financially? Or do you want to have financial peace to where 
whenever you get to the end of the month, you still have some money left over. You know, and you're able to save and you're able to do some things. You're able to even bless people. You're able to, you know, see someone who has a need. You're able to give to that. And so you have to ask yourself, where do I want to be financially? And am I willing to take the steps to get there? Am I willing to take those incremental steps to get there? Because there's people all the time, man, they'll, they'll realize, you know, man, I'm tired of living paycheck to paycheck. I'm tired of doing this, and, and I'm going to take the steps. And maybe they go to financial peace class, or maybe they just say, you know what, we're going to start living by a budget. And they take the time to do that, and all of a sudden, they begin to find a little bit of margin in their, in their life financially. And they're like, man, this is nice. And the more they do that, the more they realize, man, the more that we pay off and that we're not a slave to a lender, man, it's, it's nice. And it also adds to those emotional and relational things because it gives stability. Ask yourself, where do you want to be spiritually? You know, where, where do you want to be spiritually? Do you ever think about that? Like, man, I, I want to be at a good place spiritually. I want to know that I'm in a right relationship with the Father. I want to know that when I breathe my last breath here, my first breath of heaven is taking place. I want to know that when I die, I am going to heaven. I want to know that without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I want to know that. And maybe you're here today and you're going, man, I want to know that when I, I breathe my last, that I am saved. I want to know that I'm in right standing with the Father. And so maybe you're here today and you're, you're going, that's, that's my desire. That's what I want to know. And God's Word says that you can know that. He says, I've, I've told you these things that you might know that you have salvation. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to hope. You, and maybe you're going, hey, I want to know I'm in the center of God's will. Over and over we read in Scripture, this is God's will for your life. And I hear people all the time say, man, I just want to know what God's will is. And I'm like, it makes it pretty clear in here, you know. This is God's will for your life. And maybe we ought to spend some time in there reading that. But we have to ask, where do we want to be spiritually? Because oftentimes we'll say that we want to be spiritual beings and we want to really be at a good place spiritually. But a lot of us, just being straight up, man, we just want to kind of slide in under the gate. We just kind of want to make sure we don't go to hell. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's not, hey, I, I don't want to go to hell. Who would want to go to hell? I don't know anybody in their right mind that would want to go to hell. So they're going, man, I don't want to go to hell, but I don't really want to do everything that God has for me to do. I really, I really kind of want to live my own life. I just kind of want God to bless me. That's really what I want. I want the blessings. I'm not so sure I want the obedience, right? And so that's what we have a tendency to do. We have to go, God, where, where do you want me to be? Because we oftentimes, we know where we want to be. And there's a desire sometimes even to be maybe at a different place spiritually. But it's the commitment that seems to struggle. So they, they you know, God releases them from, from Egypt. So Moses goes in and, you know, he, he leads the, the nation um, out of Egypt. He leads the nation of Israel out of Egypt. There's plagues that take place, and Pharaoh finally says, hey, man, get these people out of here. I'm done with them. And then he changes his mind, and then God has to deal with Pharaoh. But they get to the land, and it, they get to the promised land, and so they send in these scouts. The people are like, hey, listen, let's send in some scouts, and God was in agreement with that. He said, let's do that. So let's pick up here in Numbers 13, 1 through 2, and it says, the 12 scouts explore Canaan. The Lord now said to Moses, Send out, uh, send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I am giving to the Israelites. And send one leader from each of the twelve ancestral tribes. And so here's the thing. So God is saying, hey, listen, I'm going to send these out, but they're only going to be leaders. And let me just say this. You know, you can have leaders that lead well, and you can have leaders that lead, uh, you know, not, not so well. You can have leaders that are negative. You can have leaders that are positive. You can have leaders that just, you know, they're, they're, you can lead in either way. And so we can lead people to God or we can lead people away from God, it seems like, right? And, and so away from God's plan and God's will for their life. And so th they chose these people. So Moses gave the men these instructions as he sent them out to explore the land. Go north through the Negev into the hill country. So he's giving them directions and says, see what the land is like and find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. 
See what kind of land they live in. Is, is it good or bad? And do their towns have walls or are they, are they unprotected like open camps? In other words, are they fortresses? Are they fortified? Or are they just camps, man? Because those would be a little bit easier to take maybe. Is the soil fertile or poor? And there, are there many trees there? And, and do your best to bring back samples of the crops you see. Does it happen to be the season for harvesting the first ripe grapes? And if you read uh, some of this passage here, it talks about that they found a, a thing of grapes that was so big that two guys had to carry it. And they had a pole in between them and had it hung over that. And so the grapes are so big and so much that they were like, man, totally like you would a deer back in the day. You know, you put it on there and you towed it in. And there's a cool statue I saw one time of, of the guys coming out of, out of the promised land returning with these, these grapes. Kind of a cool thing. So here's the report. It says, after exploring the land for the 40 days... The men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in, in the wilderness of Paran. It says they reported to the whole community what they had seen. And, and they showed them the fruit that, uh, that they had taken from the land. And like I said, I just kind of gave you a picture of what that was like. And this was their report to Moses. It says, we entered the land you sent us to explore. And it is indeed a bountiful country. A land flowing with what? Milk and honey. Just like God said, it is the... It is the, the kind of fruit it produces. Here's the kind of fruit it produces. And like, again, they show this huge thing of grapes. But what they're saying is, hey, listen, man, it's just like God said. You know, and, and when God promises something, he says, hey, this is the promised land. This is what it's going to be like. God delivers, right? And, and we ought to know that. And we ought to be able to go, you know what, God, you've delivered over and over in my life. You have, you have always come through. But there are times that we get to a point and maybe we go, you know, God, I don't know if you're hearing this. God, I don't know if this is really where I should be. And we begin to question God. And then we go, God, are you going to come through? God, are you going to show up? And it can, it can oftentimes cause us to, to struggle with trusting God. And that's what these guys do. God has said, hey, this is what it's going to be like. He's delivered them from Egypt. But all of a sudden, man, they begin to struggle in believing all that God says. And here's the big but. He says, but the people living there are powerful and their towns are large and they're fortified. And we even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. And so what they're saying, hey, listen, you know, it's just like God said. I mean, God, God was right. I mean, he was spot on. I mean, God was God, God was dead. I mean, it is, it is flowing with milk and honey. It is a land of abundance. There's no doubt about it. But there's these big people there, man. There's some, they're powerful and their, tower, their towns are large and fortified. I mean, they've, they've done this thing right. So these, these leaders, you know, these leaders begin to lead in a, in a wrong way. The Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Now, Caleb, this is what I love about this, the spies here. Caleb and, and Joshua are the only two names that we hear anybody named after this day. Even today, there may be a Caleb sitting out here or a Joshua sitting out here. And so they were the only two that gave a positive report. So, so Caleb said, he tries to stop everybody. He said, hey, 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 guys, stop. Hey, hold on, we can do this. He said, hey, you've got you to believe that God has given us this. And so he's reminding them he's a good leader. He says, let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. And so Caleb is believing God's promise. Caleb is believing in the God who, who, who has said, hey, this is your land. This is what I'm giving you. And so, like I said, there's only two names out of that list of 12 that anybody names their kids. And that's Joshua and Caleb. And they were the two with a positive report. And they believed that God could do what God said he would do. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. 
They're bigger than we are. I mean, and so they're, they're negative. There's, it's not the God that we serve. It's all of this down here. And so their eyes were here. It's kind of like last week we talked about, you know, Peter, you know, he got out of the, out of the boat and he sees Jesus and he's walking towards Jesus. And all of a sudden he looks at the wind and the waves and we take our eyes off Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Then everything seems bigger, right? The, the barriers seem bigger. The, the obstacles seem bigger. You know, the, the challenges seem bigger. And we go, you know, this, there's no way that this is going to happen apart from God. And that's why God said, hey, listen, just trust me. I'll come through. He goes, I've got it. I can handle this. You know, and there are things that maybe are popped up in your life or maybe things that you're going through and you're going, man, this, this, this seems too big for me. That's a good thing because God says, hey, it's not too big for him, right? He can handle that. But they're going, we can't go up against him. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. So think about that. Here's, here's ten guys who literally say, we're going to spread, spread a bad report about what God has reported as being good. And it's a land flowing with milk and honey. And so what God has said was a good thing and was ours and is a promise, they're, they're spreading a bad report. I wouldn't want to be those ten guys, I'll just tell you that. And, and so the land, the land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. And so they're saying, man, they, they'll literally devour us. We don't have a chance. I mean, they're literally undermining everything that God has said. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. And so all they could focus on is what they couldn't do, right? And there may be some of you here in the room, or maybe some of you watching online, that you do the same thing. You're always disqualifying yourself. You say, man, I could, I could never do that. You know, God nudges you and he says, hey, I want you to do something. You're like, man, I could never do that. I'll never be able to do that. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. And all of a sudden we begin to disqualify ourselves. And what we say, hey, we're too small. I'm not gifted enough. I'm not, I don't have what it takes. I don't have, you know, and everybody else thinks the same thing. And what they're saying, hey, that's what they thought too. And what we do is we, we make our decisions based on what we think everybody else thinks. And sometimes we don't even know what they think. They may think that we can do it. They may believe in us, but we think, no, they probably don't think I can do it. And so what we do is we disqualify ourselves and we just say, well, I won't even try. You know, there's people right now going through the serve class. It's taking place right now. And I, I challenge people all the time. Hey, listen, man, I want you to learn how to serve, you know, and use your gifts here at the church and help build up the body of Christ. That's what God says to do, right? I had dinner this past week with a family and, and we were talking about that. And I told them, and I'll tell you guys the same thing. You will never be all that God wants you to be if you're not serving. You may be a believer. You may say, Mike, I know that I'm going to heaven. I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm a child of God. I know that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Man, that's great. But what are you going to do with what he's given you? He's given you spiritual gifts. What are you going to do with that? And so God is saying, hey, listen, I've given you a command. I want you to use those gifts to help build up the body of Christ. And we've heard over and over and over from Scripture for the last few weeks that we are to be focused on the kingdom of God. And we're to be, if we will focus on the kingdom of God, if we will make it about the kingdom of God, he'll take care of everything else, right? And so if we're using our gifts, then the church begins to explode because the people of the church, the body of Christ, which is the church, meant they're helping to spur one another on towards loving good deeds. They're helping people do what they're gifted to do. You're making disciples. We're all supposed to be making disciples if we're a follower of Christ. We're not supposed to be just soak, sitting and soaking it up. We're supposed to be sharing what we have learned, you know, and walking ahead of somebody and telling them the steps that we took. You know, and so that, that's what we do. We, we're supposed to do that. So here we, we see these guys giving a bad report, and they're already disqualifying themselves. And there's some of you in this room that you do that regularly. You say, you know what, I can't do that. 
And listen, I, I was the same way. I've shared this before. Whenever I felt like God was dealing with me about ministry, when I got saved, man, I was like, you know, God, I'll, I'll give you my life. I don't know what, I, what you can do with it, but here's my life. And so I gave, I surrendered my life to Christ at the age of 19. Not long after that, God began to deal with me about ministry. And I remember thinking, you know, how in the world could God use me in ministry? I don't have anything to offer. You know, I, I was like, God, I don't have anything to offer. And I can remember for a year wrestling with that and, and going, well, maybe that's just me wanting to be in ministry. You know, and, and, and so I, I began to go, well, maybe it's Satan. And a friend of mine said, hey, why would Satan want you in ministry, dude? I mean, I don't think it works that way, you know. And, and I was like, good point, good point. But I can remember, you know, kind of negotiating with God and saying, God, I'll, I'll do whatever you want me to do, but I'm not going to do this. And here's the thing. I was lying to him. I said, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do, but I'm not going to get up in front of people, and I'm not going to lead worship, and I'm not going to do this. And I was telling him everything I was not going to do. And so I said, hey, I'll do anything and really, I was just lying to him. And there may be some of you that sit here, maybe you're watching online, do the same thing. Say, God, I'll do anything you want me to do. But then you tell him everything you're not going to do. Well, you're a liar as well. And so it's when we finally come to the point, say, God, I don't know what you can do with me, but here I am. And so when I finally surrendered, and I just said, God, I don't know how you'll use me, but here I am. And I just want to be used by you for your purposes and for your kingdom. And I'm just telling you, that he's telling you the same thing. He goes, hey, listen, don't disqualify yourself. I'm the one that qualifies you. I'm the one that equips you. I'm the one that prepares you. I'm the one that provides for you. And, and so we've got to be willing to trust him. We've got to be willing to take those steps. So here's the thing. You've got to want to go. You've got to want to go. Caleb was like, let's go. Man, we can do this. You know, Joshua was like, we can do this. And so we've got to have that mentality. We've got to be willing to want to go. And I tell people all the time, you know, there's, I would love to help people sometimes, but they've got to want to help themselves, right? You know, I, I see things in people's lives, man, I want to help them, but they've got to want to help themselves. And if we're always playing the victim, we're all, you know, it's always somebody else's fault, you know, and you don't really want to get better. You kind of like being the, you know, the, the, the pity party or whatever. You know what? You probably won't ever get better till you want to. And, and we've got to be able to say, God, I want to be different. I want my marriage to be the best that it can be. And instead of just complaining about it, I'm going to take steps. God, I, I want to be financially free. I don't want to live paycheck to paycheck. I don't want to live with the stress of just having to, having to pay my bills. Then do something about that. Take a step, right? We've got to be willing to trust God. And God may say, hey, listen, you know what? You're going to have to quit buying all the stuff that you don't need. You're going to have to sell some things that you really like. You're going to have to get rid of them. And we've got to be willing to trust Him, right? That's always a tough one. Here's the thing. Most people fail to arrive not for lack of desire, but for lack of commitment. The destination that God wants you to be at you know, a lot of times we go, you know, I want to be in the center of God's will. Most of us desire that. Most of us desire to be free from, you know, from debt. We desire that. We just don't have the commitment to get there. Most of us want a great marriage. We just don't have the, the commitment to say, hey, I'm dying to sell. I'm going to serve my spouse. I'm, I'm going to give, you know, sacrificially to our marriage. I'm going to, I'm going to honor this commitment. I'm going to honor this, this, this vow, this promise that I've made. Instead of making it about me. And so... Most of the time, the desire is there. It's just the lack of commitment. It's the lack of discipline. You know, most everybody said, hey, listen, I want to be in shape. I, you know, this is the temple of God. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so I literally want my body to be in good shape. But we, we have that desire. We just don't have the commitment, right? And, and so the, the commitment is a step. It's one step at a time. And so we've got to be willing to take that step of faith. And we've got to trust God and say, God, I'm, I'm trusting you. I'm moving towards you. In whatever area it might be, even emotionally, I've got to let this go. I've got to give up control. Anxiety, remember, it's a battle for control. We're wrestling with God for control when we should be letting it go and saying, God, I trust you. 
And then his peace covers us. And it protects our mind and our hearts in Christ Jesus. Whenever we trust him, we give thanks for what he's already done. So God wants us to trust him completely. And so to trust him completely means that I trust him with everything. Every area of my life, whether it's my finances. And like I said, you know, I always joke about this. You know, people get funny when you talk about money. You know, you can talk about a lot of other things. I mean, you start talking about money, like, all right, the pastor's talking about money. Here's the thing. Money is just a tool. That's all it is. It's just a tool. You can't take it with you. It's just a tool that God gives. But we're called to be managers of it. And it's a terrible God. It makes a horrible God. And it, with the economy and, the, and the, just the whole, you know, the whole thing right now is just crazy. You know, the, the whole market is everywhere. You know, and all you have to do is watch the news. And, man, you don't want to cut your wrist just about it by watching the news. You know what I'm saying? But you've got to go, you know what? That's not my God. My God is bigger than the finance market. You know, my, my God is bigger than all that. And God, I trust you. And so my hope, my, my faith, my trust, my, my confidence is in you. It's not in me. And, and so God wants us to trust him completely. And so that when we walk through life, we walk with the confidence that comes from our confidence in who we are in Christ Jesus. Not from the stuff that we have, but it's because of who we are in Christ. And we walk with confidence because we know that our God is over all things. And no matter what we're going through, you know, the storm may blow into our life. Kind of like we saw with Peter last week. They're out in the boat. But there's a confident peace in the middle of that storm. And it only comes through God. And so we've got to be able to say, you know what, God, I want to be able to walk day in, day out, confident financially, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, physically. God, I want to walk in those ways in a way that honors you. But it takes steps. It takes steps. So God wants us to trust him completely. He wanted the, the nation of Israel to trust him. God will fight our battles. God didn't say, hey, listen, guys, if y'all will train, if y'all will do this, if you will do that, I'll give you this land. He just said, hey, listen, I need you to trust me and follow me, right? And there's some of you that, you know, there's something that God is calling you to do. And you know that and you feel like <laughs> God is in this. But all of a sudden you go, I don't feel like I've got what it takes. And God said, I don't need you to bring anything. See, remember whenever I was battling about the ministry, I was thinking, hey, what do I bring to the table? I don't have anything to bring to the table. God's like, you don't have to bring anything. I'll take care of that. And, and I'll just say this, whatever, wherever the destination is that God's saying, I want you to be, this is where I want you to go. You're going... Man, I don't know if I can get there. You probably can't in your own strength, and that's a good thing. There are times we get tired, right? We get tired. We're, we're weary. Uh, this morning, man, you know, Laurie and I are still trying to move and do things. We swapped out a hot water heater yesterday. And, uh, you know, and I, I was telling somebody, man, I'm tired. Physically, I'm tired. But the thing is, is in my weakness, what? God is made strong. So even I may be physically tired, and I may be, you know, I may be a little bit weary. But the thing is, is... In my weakness, he's made strong. So if I trust God in everything, I may be tired and I may be weary. But you know what? My faith and my hope and my trust is still in him. And so we've got to know that God will fight our battles. And so there are times, and I can just tell you in my own personal life, there's been times where I thought, you know, how's this going to work out? You know, and, and that's what we do sometimes. We try to figure things out. We lay in our bed and that's where anxiety comes from. We're trying to figure things out. And God says, hey, listen, you don't worry about figuring it out. You trust me. And I'll show you the path. I'll show you the step. I'll show you the, the direction you need to go. But you've got to trust me completely. And, you, and all of a sudden we go, but God, you don't realize what kind of battles are ahead of me. You don't understand how these people are. And he's going, I know them. I created them. I spoke them into existence. I've got them. Don't you worry about that. You trust me, right? And so we've got to be able to say, God, I trust you. I lean into you. I'm going to let you fight my battles for me. And here's the thing. We've got to be willing to line up with what he says. We've got to be righteous. 
We've got to make sure that, you know what, and if he says, hey, listen, I want you to go and serve your enemy, then you go serve them. If he tells you, hey, I, I, listen, I want, you to, I want you to bless them, then you bless them. But you've got to trust him. Don't try to figure it out on your own. Don't lay in the bed trying to figure it out. Let it go and let God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. See, too often what we do is we, we trust in us to figure things out rather than trusting in God. And so when you're laying in that bed and you're trying to figure things out or you're driving down the road and you're all stressed out and you're angry and you're, you know, you're bitter it's because you're trying to figure things out rather than letting them go and letting God. And so we have to get to that point where we fully trust him and say, God, I, I trust you. I trust you over me. Most of us in this room and most of us watching online, we've made a mistake of things, right? And we, we probably haven't made our, our last mistake, I'll tell you that. But I trust God to redeem those things that maybe were done wrong. And I, I trust God to show me the, the path to take. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do and He will show you which path to take. So am I seeking God in my finances? Because His Word says if I seek Him, He will show me which path to take. Am I seeking Him emotionally? Or am I listening, listening to the enemy who's constantly telling me these things to fear and these things that I should be afraid of and these things that I could never do? So who am I listening to? Am I seeking, am I seeking God or am I seeking the enemy's lies? And we've got to be willing to say, God, I want you to help me take these lies from the enemy. Take those thoughts captive and I want to give them to Jesus. I'm, I'm going to take those thoughts captive. I'm going to let them go. I'm going to lay them at the foot of the cross. And so, God, I'm going to quit listening to the enemy. I'm going to start listening to you, and I'm going to trust you. So I'm going to seek you, God, today in this moment. I'm going to seek you in this business opportunity. God, I'm going to seek you in this relationship. God, I'm going to seek you in whatever it might be. And so, God, I'm going to seek you. God, I'm going to seek you when it comes to my spiritual gifts. I want to discover what they are, and I want to help build up the body of Christ. I'm going to seek you. And you will show me which path to take. Moment by moment, step by step, day by day, I trust you. So you've got to ask yourself, God, do I, do I trust you? Look, look at this out of Psalms. I love this. It says, show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. You know what he would do? He will point out that path. And there will be times that we think, all right, it's got to be this. And we start trying to negotiate with God or we start trying to talk God into what we want. And what we've got to be willing to say is, God, I want what you desire. God, I desire what you have because it's the best. We think we, we, we know what's best sometimes. Our children think they know what's best sometimes. Even as a parent, we know, hey, that's not the best thing for you. You know, you give a kid choice, most of the time they're going to eat candy, right, instead of vegetables. We, hey, that's probably not the best thing for you. Teeth going to rot out, whatever. They don't know that. We're just big kids sometimes. And we don't believe that God knows what's best for us. And I'm just telling you, He knows what's best for us better than anybody does. And he loves us more than we could ever love our kids. And he loves us enough that he wants the very best for us. So here's some next steps that maybe we could take today. And, and I, I love this one. To dream God-sized dreams. To dream God-sized dreams. I don't know what you dreamed earlier. When I asked you to close your eyes and to just dream for a minute, I don't know where you went. In your mind, I don't know where you went. And for some of you, maybe it was the beach scenes or maybe it was the mountain scenes or maybe it was Mars. I don't know. But there could have been some of you that you saw God using you to feed children in a foreign land as a missionary. You go, God, that would be my dream come true, to be a missionary. 
Maybe some of you saw God using you to proclaim the gospel. You go, God, how could you ever use me? He uses anybody. He uses me. He can use you. I promise you. But whatever it might be that God says, hey, this is my dream for you. I want you to be about this. And maybe it's not those destinations. Who knows? You may go to the beach and preach the gospel. You may go to the beach and you, know, you may be sharing food with hungry kids. But I think we have to back up and go, God, what is your plan? What is, what is your will for my life? Where do you want me to go? What is that destination, Father? And we've got to trust Him. For a God-sized dream. Those God-sized dreams may mean that, you know what? You may, you may be sitting here already negotiating with God and going, God, but I've got kids and I've got a wife or I've got a husband. And God, you're, 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 you're showing me or you're calling me to, to ministry. How am I going to provide for them? God, you're calling me to the mission field. How am I going to provide for them? He said, just trust me. Just trust me. I think the most important step is to trust Him with all of our heart. Not just a portion of our mind or a portion of our heart, but to trust Him with everything. It's God, my heart, that means everything that I am. God, I, I trust You. I trust You with the relationships. I trust You to heal my mind emotionally. God, I trust You to send me to the right doctor if I need medicine. God, I trust you to do whatever it takes. God, I trust you to help me to get my temple back in order. God, put somebody in my life that can help hold me accountable. God, help me to take the right steps. God, help me to trust you when it comes to finances. That I'm not trying to do the math, but I trust God's math over my math. So God, I want to be willing to return a tithe. God, I want to be willing to give above and beyond. God, I want to bless people. God, I want to be a part of your kingdom. God, I'm trusting you to show me you know how what my spiritual gifts are, and how I'm gonna I'm gonna serve in a way that I'm fruitful and fulfilled, and it makes a difference in the kingdom of God. Over and over, like I said, we've heard Jesus say, "Focus on the kingdom of God," and say, "God, I want to be a part of that. I want to see things that last for eternity, not just for a few weeks or some fad." But God, I want to be a part of something bigger than that. And then realize this: God's plan is always best. God's plan is always best. Now, sometimes, you know, we don't see it. Jesus in the garden goes, Father, is there a different plan? But, Father, not my will, but your will be done. And so he went to the cross. Didn't look like the best plan, did it? The, the disciples didn't think it was the best plan. They're going, hey, I don't know if this is the best plan. But I can tell you now, we look back and we go, it was the best plan, right? Going to the cross and dying for our sins and the sins of the world. It was the best plan. And so we look back and we go, God... Your plan is always best. It's better than anything I can dream up. So, God, I'm asking you to give me that dream. What is it that you want? Because his plan is best. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And maybe right now you say, God, I want you to speak clearly to me today. Clearer than I've ever heard you. God, I want to hear from you. Speak to my heart. Speak to me right now. God, show me your plan. God, show me your dream. God, show me your will. And go, God, I trust you. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're watching online. You've never put your faith in Christ for salvation. I'm just telling you, that was the best plan. He went to the cross to die for you, to pay for your sins, to set you free, to bring healing into your life, to redeem you. If you're here and you've never put your faith in Christ, man, let me encourage you to take that step today. Just say, Jesus, I I'm asking you to come into my life and to save me because I'm a sinner. I want to quit living the way I've been living and turn to you. That's repentance. 
And so with all the faith that I have, Jesus, I'm coming to you and I'm asking you to come into my life, to be my leader, to be my Lord. I surrender. I give you everything. If that's your prayer, man, we want to know. If you just prayed that prayer, if you're in this room, you just prayed that prayer, just raise your hands and say, Mike, that's me. I just prayed that prayer. I just asked Christ to come into my life. I want to surrender everything to Him. I want to be saved. I want to know that I'm His child. I'm part of His family. Maybe you're watching online. If you made that decision, text my decision. Let us know that. We want to walk with you. But you know, I believe there's a lot of believers sitting here in this room that, man, there's a step that you're supposed to take today. I don't know what that step is. Maybe financially. Maybe emotionally. Maybe relationally. Maybe physically. Maybe spiritually. God wants you to take a step. He's already made it clear. I just want to ask you, do you trust Him enough to take that step? Maybe it's to come to the altar to lay something down. Maybe it's to surrender. Maybe it's to surrender to the call to ministry or surrender to the call to be a a missionary in a foreign land. Maybe it's to say, God, I'm surrendering my business. I mean, I've been thinking this whole time this business was to make money for me. God, I just realized today that it's it's to make, make a difference for the kingdom of God. So I want to give you an opportunity to respond, whatever it may be. Maybe if you're at home, you can just get down by your, by your uh, coffee table or by your couch and you say, God, I want you to, I want to take this step. Maybe that step's to apologize today to your spouse. Not just apologize, but to take a step towards being different. They, you know what, I'm, I'm sorry. I want to be different from this point forward. Take a step. Trust God. Stop trying to figure everybody out. It's God, I'm gonna trust you. The band's gonna come. They're gonna they're gonna play, and I'm gonna give you an opportunity to respond. You just respond. The prayer team will be here at the front. Maybe you just need someone to pray over you. They're here to pray over you. Maybe you just you just need to go to the altar and get on your knees and just say, God, I'm gonna lay this down. You lay it down. Everybody across the room, if you would stand, you respond as the Holy Spirit leads you.